Welcome to the Brother Timothy podcast. I'm your host, Jenny, and today's episode I was originally going to call The Harmful Effects of Overconsumption of Pornography on the Human Brain. But then I thought that sounds kind of clinical and a bit depressing. So I renamed it Too Much Sexy for the Fleshy Sponge. Um, This is originally part of a program I created called Rocket Fuel, which was designed to help men and women uh, change their relationship with pornography consumption and masturbation. And that is now a free program that is currently available at www.rocketfuelprogram.live. Without further ado, here's the episode. Medical science and neuroscience has divided the brain into different lobes or regions to better understand the function and interrelation of each region. The two areas of the brain most relevant to us is the limbic system, which is located in the midbrain, specifically the role of the amygdala, which I'll explain what that is soon, and the prefrontal lobe, which is located in the forebrain, specifically the prefrontal cortex. The limbic system is a set of structures that deals with emotions and memory and regulates our nervous system and our endocrine system in response to emotional stimuli. So a stimuli meaning things that stimulate us in some way. The endocrine system involves our glands and they release hormones into our bloodstream which helps control our mood, our growth and development, the way our organs function, our metabolism, our reproduction. So the limbic system is crucial to our ability to function as a human. And the amygdala is a part of this system. It's a tiny almond-shaped collection of cells that sits at the base of the midbrain. The amygdala evaluates our environment to determine whether something is positive or negative. For example, whether something presents a threat or not, and then generates emotional responses. So it's responsible for our fight-flight response, and it basically has a seek or avoid function. Seek pleasure, avoid pain. The amygdala works hand-in-hand with what is often referred to as the reward center, which is generally considered to be made up of the main dopamine pathways of the brain, and structures like the ventral tegmental area and the nucleus accumbens, which are the main dopamine-producing areas of the brain and are connected by these dopamine pathways. When the amygdala triggers a reflexive response, the prefrontal cortex in our forebrain can then evaluate the situation and the information and determine whether it is a good idea, so whether it's worth pursuing or avoiding. So for example, if our amygdala fires an emotional response and our reward system is saying, I want to eat that whole cake, The prefrontal cortex can step in and say, "Mm, maybe I'll just have one slice. When the reward center says, I want to sleep in until midday, the prefrontal cortex can step in and say, if I keep missing school, I won't graduate. Or if I keep missing work, I'm going to lose my job. When the amygdala says, I'm angry, I must act on this anger by fighting or avoid it by running away, 
the prefrontal cortex can step in and say, it's okay, take a breath, is this worth it? What's going to come from this? What can I learn from this? Uh, let's communicate, let's compromise. So our prefrontal cortex is our what's called our executive functions. Executive means having the power to put plans or actions into effect. It's our sense of emotional judgment, our rational decision-making and impulse control. It's that mature adult part of our brains that isn't fully developed until age 25, or as neuroscientists are now suggesting, actually keeps forming well into our 30s. So if our prefrontal cortex is damaged or dysfunctional, which is what happens when we watch too much porn, we can't think clearly, we can't make rational decisions, and we can't control our impulses. So in a fight or flight response, the large diameter neurons of the amygdala sends signals to the endocrine system to start releasing stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline and noradrenaline. And these can override the prefrontal cortex. And when this happens, it often results in a sudden illogical or irrational overreaction to a situation. So when it's not under the executive supervision of the prefrontal cortex, the amygdala can be easily triggered and really start throwing us into a spin because, again, its basic engine is seek pleasure, avoid pain, which is actually a very helpful mechanism. But if its sole focus is on immediate outcomes and instant gratification, it's not really helpful for long-term growth, which requires us to delay gratification. A Cambridge University study from 2016 made two interesting discoveries. The first was that porn consumption resulted in less functional connectivity between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. So if there was a bridge linking the two to create a signal flow of communication, porn pretty much destroys that bridge, which makes, uh, like I said, delaying gratification and also making emotional judgments and rational decisions really difficult. Not to mention controlling impulses, which is kind of the whole thing, right? We, we want to be able to control our impulse, but we can't because porn has depleted that ability. Now, frequent porn use causes hypofrontality, which is basically a form of brain damage involving reduced blood flow to the prefrontal cortex. So hypo means insufficient or below normal, and frontality refers to the frontal lobe of the brain hypofrontality, uh, you know, lack of blood flow to the frontal lobe. Uh, and that's why our prefrontal cortex is essentially offline, because it's not getting enough blood flow, which means it's not getting enough oxygen or nutrients to stimulate it and keep it functioning at a high level or, or even a basic level. And I came across this quote by an anonymous Reddit user, and they said, Watching porn is like being in a coma, and as soon as you stop doing it, you return to the world and experience it for what it really is, an amazing place full of opportunities. That's kind of like what hyperfrontality is like. It's like your forebrain is basically in a coma. It's offline. It's down and out. A 2011 study from the Journal of Sexual Medicine found that compulsive porn users often find themselves wanting and needing more porn, even though they don't necessarily like it. So this disconnect between wanting and liking is a clear indicator of reward-centered dysregulation and dysfunction. The wires are crossed in the brain. So the brain is kind of like, I need it, but I don't want it, but I need it, but I don't want it. And it's, it creates this tension. 
The second finding from that Cambridge study was that the amygdala in porn users' brains had actually increased in size. This is important because another study from the Nature Neuroscience Journal from 2012 explored the role of social influences on neuroplasticity, which we'll remember is our brain's ability to rewire itself by starving old neural pathways and building new ones. And they found that an enlarged amygdala is directly linked with chronic social stress. So the brain on porn causes an enlarged amygdala, which makes sense because it's been so overused and overstimulated that it's essentially swollen up and it's overreacting to stimulus in our environment with a stress response that is not necessarily warranted, but it's not able to be balanced out or overridden by our executive functions of the prefrontal cortex because it's offline. It's in a fucking coma and the bridge that it needs to communicate with the, with the, the reward center is in ruins. So it's no wonder then that porn users report feelings of stress, anxiety, depression, brain fog, antisocial tendencies, low energy, lack of motivation, lack of self-control. You get the picture. Neuroscientist Dr. Pam Peek said that in today's modern industrialized societies, our lifestyles are involving more and more addictive activities. She spoke about food addiction, which is also based on dopamine and the reward system. And she said, it's no coincidence that the word stressed is desserts backwards. Overloading the dopamine reward system with too many desserts, like cake in the case of food addicts, or in our case, porn, leads to hormonal dysfunction, which is brought on by that swollen hyperactive amygdala, which is connected to our endocrine system and triggering those stress hormones. And this makes us chronically stressed. To make matters worse, when we try to stop using porn, we experience withdrawal, which actually activates the brain's stress system, which is why withdrawal symptoms manifest as anxiety or irritability, restlessness, depressed mood, insomnia, brain fog. So porn weakens our stress response. It makes us less resilient to life. So if you've ever wondered why so-called beta males or simps or coomers, as the memes call them, seems so weak and stuck in a victim mentality, it's because I'd argue in almost all cases, they're porn addicts suffering from brain damage. They're suffering from hormonal dysfunction and overactive amygdala signaling stress responses left, right and center, completely depleted dopamine levels, and we'll, we'll explore dopamine a little later, and a deactivated prefrontal cortex. So to people on the outside looking in, it's like, what's wrong with this guy? What's his problem? Just get your shit together. But his nervous system is going through a kind of hell. He's living in a very different world. And I've been there. I spent many years in that place, uh, especially as a teenager, feeling depleted and lethargic and lacking confidence and direction and just feeling weak and stressed a lot of the time. Uh, so we need to be careful about judging our brothers and sisters because often there's a lot more going on than what we can see from the outside. In the early 90s, a team of brain scientists at a university in Italy attached electrodes to a monkey's head, which was connected to a machine that made a sound whenever the monkey used part of its brain. When they fed the monkey and gave it various stimuli, the electrodes would receive a signal and the sound would go off. The fascinating discovery they made was that the sound went off when the monkey was watching one of the researchers eat a peanut, and the monkey's brain activated as if she was the one eating the peanut. And that's what we now know as mirror neurons. Here's an excerpt 
from an academic paper published in the Neuroscience and Biobehavioral Review. If you see someone grab a hammer and pound it, the same part of your brain that you would use to actually pound a hammer would also be activated. Other brain regions may hold that behavior in check, but you now have primed a neural circuit to hammer a nail. These neurons were originally called monkey see, monkey do neurons because they were first discovered in monkeys and constitute the way we neurologically learn by observing others. When we see a behavior, there is a silent echo. A neurological mirror of ourselves doing that behavior resides in the brain. This is a wonderful thing as we can learn by watching others, but it can also have negative effects, especially with respect to pornography. Dr. Andrew Doan, a medical doctor and neuroscientist explains, as human beings, when we're watching something such as a video or a movie, we have neurons that fire in our brains that are similar to if we were doing it ourselves. So mirror neurons are extremely powerful. So as we watch a sexually charged scene on a screen, we mirror what we see in our own brain, which actually triggers sexual arousal and leads to a desire for a sexual outlet. Most men react to this arousal by masturbating and ejaculating, which leads to hormonal and neurological consequences. For example, releasing the bonding chemical oxytocin, which is designed to bind him to the object he is focusing on. One of the consequences of this effect on the mirror neurons of our brain is that porn influences what's called our arousal template or sexual template, which basically means what we find attractive, what we're attracted to and aroused by. So porn conditions the brain to look for certain conditions for arousal and stimulation, and these conditions are not congruent with real-life sex. That's why so many men with a long-term porn habit can experience erectile dysfunction or performance anxiety because the real-world intimacy with a real woman is very, very different to what their brain is conditioned to respond to. Dr. Jill Manning, a sexual addiction specialist, says... Pornography consumption does not just develop habits or addictions, it changes people. It changes you in ways that will handicap your ability to connect and attach in healthy, loving ways. This article called How Porn is Messing with Your Manhood was co-written by Gary Wilson, who is the author of Your Brain on Porn, and Philip Zombardo and Nikita Kulum, who co-wrote a book called Man Interrupted. Uh, for, for which they surveyed over 20,000 young men uh, in the researching of that book. Uh, here's what they wrote. Young men today are forming their sexual attitudes and arousal templates around having access to dozens of sexual partners in a single masturbatory session. In other words, having more partners in less than 10 minutes than our ancestors would have had in an entire lifetime. Using these sites, users now effortlessly click from scene to scene and genre to genre to boost their arousal. Sites allow viewers to control their dopamine drip with a click of the mouse. The change means the user can, and many do, condition their arousal patterns to ongoing, escalating, and ever-changing novelty. Today's porn users can also learn to associate their sexual response with shock, surprise, or anxiety, all of which increase dopamine and sexual arousal. Their brains then expect these things during sexual arousal, Yet, none of these attributes of online porn match sex with a real person who cannot compete with the buffet provided by porn, no matter how attractive they are. When arousal expectations are unmet, dopamine drops, and so do erections and orgasms during intercourse. So, the thing with orgasm 
is that while the payoff is massive because it feels amazing, it's not an easy thing to achieve in real life. In the real world, the highs of orgasm are not available on demand. Psychologist and sex research specialist Dr. William Struthers says, In the real world with real people, considerable effort has to go into cultivating a relationship that may result in a sexual encounter. A great deal of neurological effort, hormonal preparation, and appropriate behaviors usually precede this high. Here is where pornography hijacks God's, or nature's, intended pattern of sexual attraction, arousal, and response. And this is true even if you're using Tinder or another dating app to find a hookup for casual sex. There's still a back-and-forth dance of communication, flirtation, meeting up, um, more flirtation, seduction, physical escalation, before the sexual intercourse actually takes place. Uh, there's, a, there's an entire process that's involved, whereas with porn and masturbation, there, that whole dance is not involved. It's just instant. Let's explore one of the most important pieces to this entire problem, one that actually contributes to how we get out of it, and that's dopamine. When we first begin our recovery journey, our brain is craving dopamine. It's become so accustomed to producing and secreting huge amounts each day by consuming novelty and getting the reward of using porn, it's desperate for dopamine. It needs dopamine. When I first tried to quit, my brain was so thirsty for dopamine, I ended up binge-watching YouTube and Netflix and playing mobile games for hours as a replacement for porn. This was not an effective game plan, so I don't recommend it. Why? Because it just depleted my dopamine receptors from those activities instead of from porn, even if it wasn't to the same degree. So it still wasn't healthy. And the truth is, there are no alternatives to porn. Not music, movies, video games, social media, Netflix, YouTube, TikTok, whatever. Porn is the pinnacle of synthetic stimulation, aside from uh, substances. Having said that, social media apps like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, they've all got the refreshing homepage or the refresh feed that continually throws up new content. And so there's an element of surprise that triggers dopamine like nothing else. It's that mystery of what's going to come up next. What sexy or funny or interesting piece of content am I just one swipe away from? It's just like slot machines at a casino. It's literally like gambling, but instead of putting your money into a machine, you're putting your time and attention and energy, which is what you exchange for money, so basically your money, into the app. You swipe the screen to refresh the feed, and you see what shiny, colorful things pop up. Did you win? Did you win this time? What about this time? Maybe next time. And it never ends. Porn is a super stimulus, which is a term coined by the Nobel Prize winning biologist Nicholas Tinbergen in 1973. It describes something that is bigger and greater than what is seen in ordinary everyday natural life. In one of his most famous experiments, Tinbergen got butterflies where the males were attracted to the color, pattern and shape of the female butterfly's wings. What he did was he created cardboard butterflies and made the wings bigger and brighter than nature ever would. And guess what happened? The male butterflies tried to mate with the cardboard butterflies even when real female butterflies were present. So what Tinbergen discovered was that the brain could be manipulated. 
If we figure out what stimulates the brain and the nervous system and create an exaggerated version of it, the brain will prefer the exaggerated version. So here's a fun fact. That was in 1973. Now, interestingly, what is referred to as the golden age of porn was 1969 to 1984 when adult erotic films first hit the mainstream. They were primarily funded and created by organized crime groups at the time. Of the 42 best-known films of this period, as listed on Wikipedia, 37 of them came after Tim Bergen's discovery. So it's interesting that immediately after we discovered the sheer power of the super stimulus, the porn industry began booming. Super stimulus, which is like stimulus, which is like stimulant, which is drug. And what do organized crime groups tend to manufacture? Drugs. So it's pretty obvious why the American advocacy group Fight the New Drug is called Fight the New Drug (laughs) because porn is a drug. It's a new drug because it's not consumed through eating, drinking, smoking, snorting, or injecting. It's consumed audiovisually. But we absorb audiovisual information through our sense organs, which via our brains send signals and feedback to our nervous system, as we've already discussed. And if this content affects our nervous system and our body's neurochemistry, it might as well be something that we smoke or inject. So there's absolutely no doubt that porn is a drug. So given that porn is a drug, a super stimulus, it's no surprise then that it triggers an unnatural response in the brain's nucleus accumbens, aka the reward center. The reward center is activated when we engage in behaviors that further our survival or survival of our genes. So sex, eating, bonding, achievements, taking risks, playing, and novelty. When we use porn, it causes an extremely powerful surge of dopamine, which creates this chemical spike that lasts up to five hours after the peak and then plummets for one to four days afterwards. So that's why it can take a week or more for symptoms of brain fog to start to clear. So before we go any further, what is dopamine? Dopamine is a hormone and a neurotransmitter often referred to as the pleasure chemical. When we hear the word dopamine, we think pleasure and reward. But the truth is, dopamine is far more versatile than that. It plays several important roles in the brain and the body. It's involved with learning, memory, concentration, sleep, movement, and emotion. Dopamine performs as a vasodilator in the blood, increases sodium excretion in the kidneys, and drives urine output in the pancreas. When it's working properly, Dopamine reduces the production of insulin and protects the gastrointestinal tract and the immune system. It also plays an important role in the treatment of heart failure, shock, Parkinson's disease, and ADHD. So this is an extremely powerful and complex neurochemical. According to Dr. Corey Waller of the HMA Institute on Addiction, dopamine is as necessary for our survival as food and water. He says, Without this chemical in the brain, we don't have the capability to get out of bed, which again reminds us of that quote that watching porn is like being in a coma. He says, we have the inability to move forward and be the humans we want to be. So dopamine is extremely important. And what's interesting is that dopamine neurons are known to signal reward prediction, meaning that in addition to signaling rewarding events themselves, what we feel as pleasure and yay, let's do more of that, Dopamine can signal cues that predict a rewarding event in the future. Also, certain subpopulations of dopamine neurons can also become stimulated by aversive events, meaning 
things we want to avoid. So dopamine doesn't just exist to make us feel good, but actually to make us want something more, whether that's to seek it or avoid it. Dopamine is basically desire. It's, it's motivation. Dopamine creates learning patterns and it reinforces behaviors. So when scientists say that porn hijacks the brain, they're not kidding. It is hacking a system that is crucial to our sense of purpose and direction and meaning. We need our dopamine system to be able to navigate life. Porn addiction expert Gary Wilson says, each dose of dopamine is a brain training experience. It communicates this experience is important to our survival and should be remembered. So dopamine basically says, remember and repeat. Now, this is really important because it means that when we're watching porn and we're flooding our brain with dopamine, we're not just feeling pleasure and excitement, we're also programming our behavior, our thoughts, our emotions, our memories, our beliefs, and as we explored earlier, our sexual arousal template. A brain scan study of online porn users conducted at the Max Planck Institute for Human Development in Berlin found that the hours and years of porn use correlated with decreased gray matter in regions of the brain associated with reward sensitivity. These scans showed results of porn users' brains almost identical to cocaine addicts' brains. The reduced gray matter in these regions means a decline in dopamine signaling. The lead researcher Simon Kuhn stated, regular consumption of pornography more or less wears out your reward system. Uh, this wearing out of the reward system is often called desensitization or a numbed pleasure response. When we have a numbed pleasure response, we become numb, obviously, and basically unresponsive to everyday pleasures and yet still highly responsive to porn. So over time, this addiction mechanism has our reward center lighting up at the thought of porn use, but shut down and bored and unaroused and uninterested when presented with real-life pleasure, even if it's real-life sex or intimacy. That's why porn users experience lower sexual satisfaction and lower relationship satisfaction. They're numb. Studies show that changes in the transmission of dopamine in our brains can lead to symptoms of depression and anxiety, which are commonly reported by chronic porn users. In a 2010 study published in the Journal of Neuropsychopharmacology, scientists described how this process of porn damaging the reward system and leaving it unresponsive to natural sources of pleasure is why users can begin to experience difficulty in achieving arousal with a physical partner. In other words, erectile dysfunction or delayed ejaculation. Healthy dopamine levels are a fundamental component of sexual arousal and performance. We need healthy dopamine levels to have healthy, hard erections and to be able to reach climax. And to be able to satisfy our partner, not only with our erect penis, but emotionally and energetically. To be present and conscious and really feeling them and, and them feeling the fullest most powerful version of us, not a numb, hollowed out version of us. Part of the reason why sex feels so good on semen retention and nofap is because the longer you go without depleting your dopamine receptors, the more sensitive they are. And so when you do have sex, the, the levels of emotional connection and intimacy and the, the, the orgasmic energetic sensations are just amplified to the max. To recap so far, dopamine is powerful as fuck, but can we actually measure dopamine levels? Yes, and we have. Humans being the resourceful little creatures we are, 
created a testing kit that is capable of measuring dopamine levels in the biological fluids in our brain with high precision up to 1.56 nanograms per milliliter. So we're talking a tiny, tiny scale. According to the HMA Institute on Addiction, on an average day, the average human is working with about 50 nanograms of dopamine per deciliter. A deciliter is one-tenth of a liter, so 100 mils, and a nanogram is 1,000 millionth of a gram. So really, really tiny scale, but that's not important. We're talking about neurochemicals in the brain. So average human, average day, 50 nanograms. On a really bad day, when you feel depressed and you just want to sit around and do nothing, about 30 nanograms. On an exceptionally good day, just like the best day ever, you know, 80 to 90 nanograms. That's the kind of the, the spectrum or the range that we're dealing with. Obviously, certain activities can boost our natural levels of dopamine, such as exercise, listening to music, watching our favorite movie, eating our favorite food. That can reach up to 90 nanograms. Uh, having sex can reach up to 90, 95 nanograms. Drugs, on the other hand, spike our dopamine levels significantly higher. Uh, and there's no surprises there. So tobacco, 450 nanograms. Marijuana, 650 nan nanograms. Heroin, 975 nanograms. And methamphetamines, a whopping 1,100 nanograms. Damn! So I... <laughs> Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find a dopamine measurement for porn. The HMA Institute didn't include porn in their tests, but considering it's a super stimulus and affects the brain in similar ways to cocaine, as that brain scan study demonstrated, I'd say it would be significantly more than the 90 nanograms of eating our favorite food or having sort of average sex, but less than marijuana. So we're probably talking like 200 to 600 nanograms, which would equal about a 200 to 400% increase in our natural dopamine levels, which is huge. The kinds of activities related to porn use that continuously spike the do our dopamine and keep it spiked at that high level include the sexual novelty, uh, the searching and seeking, so browsing categories, opening new tabs, the anticipation of what's next, the shock and the surprise, and even anxiety. So this is why people end up on more extreme, violent, or alternative forms of porn because their reward circuit is so numb that they need shock and surprise and anxiety to sort of keep those dopamine levels up. Psychiatrist Norman Doidge, who is the author of The Brain That Changes Itself, explains when pornographers boast that they are pushing the envelope by introducing new, harder themes, what they don't say is that they must because their customers are building up a tolerance to the content. So just like a drug gang cooking up their latest batch of street pills and adding in some extra meth or making them blue or a unique shape in order to spike excitement and novelty in their customers, it's like that, but instead of adding meth to ecstasy pills, they're adding themes of incest or rape or child porn to porn videos. So once someone is hooked, they're addicted, their baseline dopamine levels can drop down to like 10 to 30 nanograms. And that's why users need more of the drug to get the same high. So our brains not only become sensitive to using the porn itself, but also to cues related to using porn. So these cues are actions or behaviors or patterns in our life that we associate with our use of porn and masturbation. For example, turning on our computer or opening up a private browser window in our phone, going to bed with our phone, being left home alone, 
taking our phones to the bathroom, whatever it is, you know, it's going to vary for different people based on their own kind of rituals, I suppose, or their own habits. Um, any of these kinds of actions or behaviors that we have linked to our you know, ritual of using porn can actually cause a dopamine release in our brains and start to trigger cravings because it's anticipating the porn that we're about to consume. That's why overcoming porn addiction requires you to change your lifestyle because you need to disrupt those patterns that usually trigger your body to follow the same behavioral pattern of using porn. So here's a fun fact just to demonstrate how powerful those cues can be. So researchers monitored two groups of people. The first group had no fluid intake for three days and the second group had no food intake for five days. They scanned their brains with functional MRIs, which is magnetic resonance imaging, using sensory stimuli. So the first group were made to listen to sounds of running water and their brain lit up with cravings for water and they were measured to be about the size of a baseball. The second group were given foods to smell and even taste, but not actually eat. And their food cravings were the size of a basketball. Then they got a third group of former drug addicts who were 30 days sober and asked them to describe the effects of their drug of choice. And their cravings were, relatively speaking, the size of a baseball field. The dopamine system is stronger than the opioid system, and so we seek more than what we are satisfied by. We seek more even after we are satisfied. Dopamine is really about wanting and craving, and so we are perpetually dissatisfied. We're always wanting, wanting, wanting. And in many ways, society programs us to be dissatisfied because that keeps us spending and consuming. So if we really want to step out of the matrix and reclaim our power as a sovereign creative being, we need to get control over what we allow to trigger our dopamine, which is basically everything, you know, music, movies, porn, Netflix, the internet, social media, apps, news, video games, even relationships with people. Pretty much anything audiovisual, uh, food is a big one. Our food is packed full of sugar, oil, salt, additives and preservatives that spike our dopamine to get us addicted to food. So even things like bread are full of sugar, even if it doesn't taste sweet, the sugar is still being processed and registering in our brains as a desirable item. So we keep buying that particular brand. Um, if you want to know more about the subject of food and dopamine, I recommend the book The Pleasure Trap by Dr. Alan Goldhammer and Douglas Lyle. Um, they go right into that and it's quite amazing. But essentially, dopamine is the key to really understanding all of this because now that we understand how dopamine functions, we can see how it's the perfect way to hack someone's operating system without them even really, really realizing it because it's telling them the activity is important for their survival. So knowledge is power. And in today's world, dominated by the internet and technology, knowing how dopamine works is a massive advantage. Your brain and your body is just doing what it's been programmed to do. Dopamine is remember and repeat, remember and repeat, remember and repeat, remember and repeat. And so this porn program, this program that we have running of using porn and masturbating is kind of like a program in our operating software. And the good news is we can change the program. We can delete shonky code and write new code. Not only does porn trigger unnatural dopamine release, it also sets off a cascade of other chemicals, including a protein called Delta Fos B. 
Delta force B basically accumulates around the nucleus accumbens, which as we know is the reward center, which strengthens the neural pathways connecting the pleasure we're feeling to the behavior or the activity. So the new memories that Delta force B builds connections for actually start to get stronger and outcompete other connections in the brain, which is what makes it so easy for, for us to continue to return to porn again and again. So a lot of guys think that they're just being passively entertained by a sexy video, but meanwhile, their brains are actually busy at work building and strengthening neural connections between their feelings of arousal and what they're doing, which is looking at porn on a screen. Through evolutionary design, the brain is wired to respond to sexual stimulation with surges of dopamine, and this neurotransmitter acts to program memories and information into the brain. And this adaptation means that when the body requires something like food or sex, the brain remembers where to return to experience that same pleasure, which, again, sadly, is our screen. The good news, though, is that the neuroplasticity of our brains means that we can dismantle those undesirable connections and build new ones. Writer Mark Lewis described these neural connections as a line of footprints in the neural flesh. So we can start walking on a new path. Our brain is a magnificently malleable, self-optimizing operating system designed by nature to help us not only survive, but actually thrive and optimize our lives. It responds to what we teach it, so we just need to learn how to teach it. So if you're trying to change your relationship with a particular behavior or activity because you feel that it has become a little bit compulsive or uh, addictive in some way, the first thing I would say is, Something that David Cameron Gikandi said, see your predicaments with humor. This is the first step to getting unattached from them. Now, I will say that there is a little bit of irony in that because you kind of need healthy dopamine levels to be able to see something with a sense of humor. I mean, when we find something uh, amusing or lighthearted, we tend to release dopamine and that kind of gives us that feel, feel good. Uh, you know, along with along with serotonin. But the good news is, in my many, many years' experience, three days is the magic number. Uh, three days, 72 hours. Seven and two is nine. Nine is divine. Nine is the divine number. 72 hours. If you can commit to 72 hours of uh, ceasing the habit in question, whether it's porn, social media, Netflix binging, alcohol smoking, whatever, 72 hours where you don't do that thing, and you'll notice a shift. And that shift is not necessarily a mind-blowingly life-changing kind of shifts, but it's, it opens the door. It gives you, it starts get, getting you that momentum that you need to carry on that pattern. And it's also important to remember that in the journey of trying to dissolve a habit, because it has become habitual and, and programmed in, not to take the relapses, quote-unquote relapses, as personal. Um, it does not mean, it's not a failure of will, it's not uh, that you're a weak person, it's just that you've got some programming ingrained and it just takes time to reprogram that. Go easy on yourself, be gentle, be kind to yourself. If you need support, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to help you in any way that I can. Uh, I'm currently building a 21-day live program that I'm going to be launching in May called the Cell Leadership Experience. 
which is all about changing our relationship with our body and elevating our self-awareness and strengthening our mind-body connection. Really excited about where that's heading, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, have fun. Keep being you. You're awesome. Don't dim to fit in. You're a beautiful, beautiful human. You're doing your best. Everyone around you is doing their best. And stay groovy. Much love. See you next time. Bye.